it comes to the subject of vegetarianism and Christianity, some sitting in an armchair or sitting on a couch say, the disciples ate fish, end of the conversation. <laughs> That's understandable, really, given the, the teachings that most have inherited. But for those compassionate souls who are curious-minded, willing to learn more, and who keep reading, they will notice that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is having a major debate with others in early Christianity about what diet they should follow, whether they should be vegetarian or not, and how Jewish someone should be or not be if they are a disciple of Jesus. One will also notice that the disciples gave up being fishermen and moved on, became apostles, became spiritual teachers, the leaders, the founders and leaders of various spiritual movements eventually. The vegetarianism of the original Jesus movement, Jesus' brother James, Peter, the other apostles, the Syriac, Aramaic, Clementine literature, and the vegetarian yoke of the Lord described in the Didache. In the Gospel of Thomas, saying 90, Yeshua said, Come to me, for my yoke is easy, and my lordship is gentle and you will find rest for yourselves. The yoke of the Pharisees had hundreds of commandments. And of course, the path of Christ was not so complicated, but there was an ethical code, of course, that Jesus advocated, and it included vegetarianism. Most would be surprised to learn that many early Christians, in fact, the very earliest of disciples in the Jesus movement were vegetarians which for them would essentially have been vegan. One exception to this is reference to John the Baptist eating honey along with carob beans or carob flour. Honey, of course, is something that vegans wouldn't consume. But other than that, we have all plants that are referred to, never any dairy products, no cows whatsoever on the list. And I'll share with you that list of food items, the references to various plant foods consumed by different apostles during today's podcast. And at the end of the podcast, listen for information about how to download the Didache, as well as this new translation of the Syriac Aramaic Clementine literature, an Ebionite book of Acts. There's a first century book called the Didache, meaning the Lord's teaching through the 12 apostles to the nations that was considered by some for a time back then to be a New Testament level scripture, even according to some Orthodox early church fathers. It's a very popular example of a New Testament apocryphal book. After all, the Didache is actually older than the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John, as well as the book of Acts, very early in the first century. And it contains a fascinating account in there about the Jewish Christians and some new non-Jewish or Gentile converts. These newly converted individuals were advised that if they could not immediately live up to the ideal of being vegetarian and follow, quote, the yoke of the Lord, unquote, the ethical code of the Jesus movement, to at least not eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols in pagan temples. In other words, religious rituals to dead gods, as the text puts it. 
the Didache, for if you are able to bear the entire yoke of the Lord, you will be perfect. But if you are not able to do this, do what you are able, do what you can. Concerning food, abstain by all means from meat, sacrifice to idols, for it is the worship of dead gods." Unquote. Now perhaps staunch meat eaters not interested in the roots of the Jesus movement would read that and say yay and take that as permission or license to forever not have to go completely vegetarian as part of Christian ethics. But as I read that, I thought to myself, hey, do tell me more about this yoke of the Lord that included vegetarianism as part of living up to the ideal or perfect way of Christ. Tell us about the real deal. Keep it 100, 100% about the faith that was once delivered to the saints, to quote Jude or Judas Thomas, including the part about the yoke of the Lord. And since these new converts were being encouraged to live up to the ideals of Jesus and the first disciples, to adopt the yoke of the Lord, including vegetarianism, and be perfected in their faith and spiritual way of life, no doubt many of them eventually did. The approach of the Gentile community affiliated with the Didache to not require vegetarianism on day one but to nevertheless encourage their new converts to transition to veg reminds me of several modern-day denominations that also allow meat-eaters to join but encourage them to become vegetarian and provide materials that teach vegetarianism and a large percentage of their members are vegetarians. Clement of Alexandria once said sacrifices were invented by men to be a pretext for eating flesh." Unquote. And this comes from the writings of St. Basil the Great. The steam of meat meals darkens the spirit. One can hardly have virtue if one enjoys meat meals and feasts. In the earthly paradise or Eden, no one sacrificed animals and no one ate meat. Basil the Great, recognized by Orthodox Christianity as a saint and early church father, and he was an advocate for Christian vegetarianism. Surprise! The Syriac Aramaic Clementine, Recognitions and Homilies, represents another book of Acts, an Ebionite book of Acts, rivaling the New Testament book of Acts, providing another alternative, more Jewish Christian point of view, adding more details about the life, teachings, and history of those apostles, the disciples of the Jesus movement, those who did follow the yoke of the Lord. In this other book of Acts, the apostle Peter said that once he was a fisherman, but adopted a diet of bread, olives, and pot herbs, unquote. He once was a fisherman, but adopted a diet of bread, olives, and pot herbs. Peter described himself and the other apostles as former fishermen that had long since adopted a simple vegetarian diet and itinerant lifestyle of poverty. Quote, our way of life is being served with only bread and olives and sometimes pot herbs. And furthermore, we have no other coat or cloak except this that I wear and I do not have need of another. 
Indeed, because my mind looks at eternal things, it does not take any account of the things that are present or of this world. A quote from the Syriac Clementine Recognitions and Homilies, the first complete translation of the text. And by first complete translation, the translator here is referring to this being the first translation of the older and perhaps more authoritative Syriac Aramaic edition of the Clementine writings, in a sense, a critical edition. There are other manuscripts as well that have been translated, and those manuscripts of the Clementine literature in Greek, in Latin, in Arabic, Armenian, and Slavonic. Of course, Syriac Aramaic is getting very close to the roots of the earliest forms of Christianity. As the translator writes about these 20 or so books from the early days of Christianity, the Syriac Aramaic Clementine recognitions and homilies is one of the last surviving remnants of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophy and purports to be written by a first century Roman philosopher named Clement reputed to have been appointed Bishop of Rome by the Apostle Peter. The text is in Syriac, a dialect of Aramaic, the language of Jesus and his apostles, and has Hebraisms in it, pointing to a Palestinian origin." Unquote. Congratulations to the translator for making available for the very first time in English a very fine translation of this early version of the Syriac Aramaic Clementines, a very essential scripture of early Christianity. Indeed, the Clementine literature represents the largest edition of Ebionite or Jewish Christian writings that have survived the centuries. Other early Christian writings are mostly lost to us, such as the Gospel of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Nazareans, and Gospel of the Ebionites, except for what has been quoted from those Gospels in the literature of the early Church Fathers, which have preserved a few precious quotes. As the author of the Gospel of Luke said at the beginning of his Gospel, to His Excellency Theophilus, many attempts have been made already to draw up an account because of those things which have reached their conclusion among us, just as they were reported to us, as they were reported to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, bearers of the message. And therefore I also, since I have followed all these things closely for some time, have resolved to write a connected presentation of them for you, in order that you may be able to satisfy yourself of the truth of the story which you have heard from the lips of others. Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 from the New New Testament translation, the Hal Tossig translation. Many others have already had the time to compose their Gospels before the Gospel of Luke, before the, the author of the Gospel of Luke decided to also compose his Gospel. That's interesting to notice, isn't it? Makes Luke seem like a gospel of fairly late composition. I tend to agree with Robert Price's dating of the Gospel of Luke, or Luke-Acts, as scholars refer to them as being, as both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts come from the same source and really should be read as one continuous document. 
I suspect the New Testament Gospel of Luke and Book of Acts were composed later than most people assume, and that the Ebionite Book of Acts, this Clementine literature, at least the Syriac version, especially the root version found in Syriac Aramaic, was authored earlier than most people think. And that makes the original editions of both being composed at about the same time, contemporary with each other, with one book of Acts very pro-Paul and the other more pro-Peter and pro-James, the brother of the Lord. Back to Peter, who said, Our way of life is being served with only bread and olives and sometimes pot herbs, unquote. I have a collection of similar quotes attributed to most of the other apostles as well. John never ate meat. James, the brother of the Lord, lived on seeds and plants and touched neither meat nor wine. The apostle Thomas, he continually fasts and prays and abstaining from the eating of flesh. The apostle Matthew partook of seeds and nuts, hard-shelled fruits and vegetables without flesh. Peter said, I live on olives and bread, to which I rarely only add vegetables, a different translation of what I shared earlier. The unnatural eating of flesh meats is as polluting as the heathen worship of devils, unquote, attributed to the apostle Peter. They, the apostles, embraced and persevered in a strenuous and laborious life with fasting and abstinence from wine and meat, unquote. A quote from Eusebius, church father, from his document, his history book called Proof of the Gospels. Matthew, and happiness is found in the practice of virtue. According, accordingly, the apostle Matthew partook of seeds and nuts, hard-shelled fruits and vegetables without flesh. A quote from Clement of Alexandria in The Instructor, Book 2, Chapter 1. The Apostle Thomas, he continuously fasts and prays and abstaining from the eating of flesh and the drinking of wine. He eats only bread with salt, drinks only water, and wears the same garment in fine weather and winter. A quote from the Syriac Aramaic Acts of Thomas, chapter 20. The same Acts of Thomas that also has the hem of the pearl in it for those who are fans of the famous Hymn of the Pearl. According to the church historian Hegesippus, quoted by Eusebius in his History of the Church 2.3, John never ate meat. James the Just, brother of Jesus, head apostle and next leader of the church, was vegetarian. Jesus had a brother, He's referred to by scholars and historians as James the Righteous or James the Just. According to a wide variety of sources, James became Jesus's spiritual successor. The next leader of this group referred to as the poor, referred to in the book of Acts, or the Hebrew Christians, sometimes called Ebionites. James was a vegetarian, a quote from Professor Robert Eisenman in his huge 1,000-page book, James the Just, The Key to Unlocking the Secrets of Early Christianity and the Dead Sea Scrolls. James, the brother of the Lord, lived on seeds and plants and touched neither meat nor wine. And that's a quote from the Epistule Epistulae Ad Fostum, 
chapter 22, verse 3. James, the brother of the Lord, was holy from his mother's womb, and he drank no wine, nor strong drink, nor did he eat flesh. A quote from Hegesippus, found in the history of Eusebius, book 2, chapter 23. Jacobus, or James, the brother of Jesus, lived on seeds and vegetables and did not accept meat or wine. A quote from St. Augustine. Eusebius also states in proof of the Gospel 3.5 that all the apostles abstained from meat and wine. Unquote. Surprise! <laughs> no, uh, no fishermen still hanging out in Galilee running a Christian fish shop of some sort, selling fish to people. Just not so, as we see here. And James became the successor of Christ and next leader of the Jesus movement. The Gospel of Thomas saying 12. The disciples said to Yeshua, We are aware that you will depart from us. Who will be our leader? Jesus said to him, No matter where you come, it is to James the just that you shall go, for whose sake heaven and earth have come to exist. Bentley Leighton translation of the Gospel of Thomas. Verse 12. A bit more about the brother of the Lord, James the just, James the righteous. I'm holding in my hand a copy of the book Disciples, How Jewish Christianity Shaped Jesus and Shattered the Church by Keith Akers. It took 2,000 years for someone to get around to writing an introduction to the Jesus movement, that original Christianity before Paul, that original circle of disciples. But better late than never. I highly recommend the book Disciples by Keith Akers and can't say enough good things about it. It is just a fabulous, informative book on the subject of early Christianity, vegetarianism, and it also uh, speaks to the John the Baptist group, who are the Nazareans and the various factions of the Nazareans and how this movement branched out to other movements and discusses them as well all the way to Iraq, the Mandaeans, the John the Baptist group in various forms, various branches. It really covers a lot of territory. I highly recommend Disciples by Keith Akers as a fabulous book. James, the brother of Jesus. Eusebius's description of James, the brother of Jesus, shows several similarities with the Pythagoreans. Ecclesiastical History 223, 5-6. In addition to not eating meat or drinking wine, James also does not wear wool, something shared with the Pythagoreans, but is not attributed elsewhere to Jewish Christianity. No other references to abstaining from wearing wool are to be found. I'm turning the page to another, turning to another section of the book, James, the brother of Jesus in Disciples by Keith Akers. After the death of Jesus, his brother James became the leader of the early church. We have more solid information about James, the brother of Jesus, than about any other member of Jesus' family besides Jesus himself. Entire books have been written about James. 
The Ebionites had a reverence for James and believed that James was the first leader of the church after Jesus' death. See the Book of Recognitions 172 and 435. Most other early traditions agree. In Galatians 2.9, Paul mentions that James and Peter and John were pillars of the church, extended to Paul the right hand of fellowship, and James is listed as a pillar and is mentioned first. In Acts 15.13, James at the Apostolic Council speaks last and gives the last judgment, which mentions matters no one has previously discussed and which is accepted by everyone. In Acts 21.18, Paul, in his final visit to Jerusalem, goes to see James when all the elders were present, quote-unquote, indicating that James was the leader. In the Gospel of Thomas, saying 12, the disciples asked, who will be great after Jesus leaves? Jesus replies, wherever you have come, you will go to James the righteous, for whose sake heaven and earth came into being, unquote. Eusebius in Ecclesiastical History 2.23.4 straightforwardly quotes Hegesippus as saying that James succeeded to the government of the church in conjunction with the apostles, unquote. And there are many other sources about James the Just being the leader of early Christianity. Check out that Robert Eisenman book on James the Just. It's a thousand pages about James the Just. So there you have it. References to the disciples as being vegetarian, coming from multiple sources. Some interesting discussion in the newly translated Syriac Aramaic Clementine recognitions and homilies, a kind of Ebionite book of Acts, quoting Peter as having given up being a fisherman, that the other disciples gave up being fishermen as well and are practicing a vegetarian diet. And a reference in the Didache, the Lord's teaching through the Twelve Apostles to the nations, about an early ethical code of the original Jesus movement that included vegetarianism. The Didache group, the Didache community, was similar to the Apostle Paul in that they allowed new converts who were still eating meat to join. But unlike the Apostle Paul, the Didache group seems a bit more mindful and respectful of the Jewish Christians, the original disciples of Jesus, and is advocating that they live up to the yoke of the Lord, which included vegetarianism. And that stance of, uh, you can join as meat eaters, but we really encourage you to go veg, sounds a whole lot like the Seventh-day Adventists of modern times and the Seventh-day Baptists and other modern-day denominations of Christianity. That's one way of approaching the subject. But do tell me more about the yoke of the Lord. I find that absolutely fascinating a reference in the Didache. Yeshua said, Come to me, for my yoke is easy, and my lordship is gentle, and you will find rest for yourselves. 
wrapping up today's podcast, a few references to heavenly rest. From an early hymnal of this Syriac Aramaic branch of Christianity that existed north of Israel in Syria, Mesopotamia, around the Persian Gulf, the Book of the Odes, a wonderful hymnal that few know about, most likely composed in Syriac Aramaic, the hymnal of the early church. Offer your inward being faultlessly and let not your compassion oppress compassion and let not yourself oppress any other self. Offer your inward being faultlessly and let not your compassion oppress compassion and let not yourself oppress any other self. You should not purchase a stranger. In other words, don't engage in slavery, which was a thing back then. You should not purchase a stranger because he is like yourself, nor seek to deceive your neighbor, nor deprive him of the covering for his nakedness. But put on the grace of the Lord generously and come to his paradise and make for yourself a garland from his tree. Then put it on your head and be joyful and recline upon his rest, for his glory will go before you and you shall receive of his kindness and of his grace, and you shall be anointed in truth with the praise of his holiness, praise and honor to his name. I stretched out my hands towards the Lord and towards the Most High. I raised my voice, and I spoke with the lips of my heart, and he heard me when my voice reached him. His word came towards me in order to give me the fruits of my labors and gave me rest by the grace of the Lord. Ode 36, I rested on the Spirit of the Lord, and she lifted me up to heaven. Spirit in Hebrew is ruha and is feminine. I rested on the Spirit of the Lord, and she lifted me up to heaven and caused me to stand on my feet in the Lord's high place before his perfection and his glory, where I continued glorifying him by the composition of his odes. vegetarianism of the original Jesus movement, the vegetarianism of Jesus' brother James, Peter, the other apostles, the Syriac Aramaic Clementine literature, which I refer to as an Ebionite book of Acts, and the vegetarian yoke of the Lord mentioned in the Didache. Today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, another installment of my Veg Vegan series of podcasts. Great to be here. Great to be sharing this information with those curious and compassionate hearts wishing to learn more about the vegetarianism of the Jesus movement, the Yeshua movement of antiquity. 
Scroll down in the link, the links section below, the notes section below contains links to the Didache. You can download it for free online. There's a link to the Syriac Aramaic Clementine literature, this earlier root translation of the Clementines that has appeared online. You can download that for free as well. There are links to the Odes of Solomon, a couple of translation uh, translations of the Book of the Odes. It's referred to as the Odes of Solomon, but it has nothing to do with Solomon. It's a misnamed book that actually represents a hymnal of early Christianity. I just call it the Book of the Odes, just to update it to correct the title, since that's what it is. There's a new translation of it to be found in the New New Testament, a recent translation of New Testament writings along with other newly discovered texts and the Odes has been recognized for what it is, an early hymnal of Christianity, and it's now included in the New New Testament translation. Look for that online, you'll find that. Scroll down to the notes section below for links to these things. Or you can email me if you're listening via some other podcast app or site out there. There are many these days that are carrying this program, this podcast. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. For spiritual resources, visit my website. There are links to the donate button at PayPal. There are links to my blogs, social media, various articles, podcast archives, various things at the website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. See you next week for another edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. In conclusion, once again, Gospel of Thomas saying 90. Yeshua said, Come to me, for my yoke is easy, and my lordship is gentle, and you will find rest for yourselves. <laughs>